I got you. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to a Gridiron Stud Show. Quick, 15, 20 minutes, talking about the hot issue of the day and what gets hotter than Super Bowl 52, which just completed last night. I think it's completed. Were any more touchdowns scored while we were sleeping, Emil? There, there that was not a defensive masterpiece. When they say defense wins championships, they certainly weren't talking about that game. No, absolutely not. All kinds of records set in this one. 1,100 and I believe 52 yards um, totaled in this game. Not only is that a Super Bowl record, it is an NFL game record. No game between any two opponents in NFL history has produced more yardage than this game last night between two um, championship teams. What do you make of it? Well, one championship team because the Eagles got a trophy. Well, I mean, you can't not call the New England Patriots champions. They've done that about as much as anyone else, especially yeah, they Brady and Belichick. So I'm going to pay yeah, them a that, little that, bit. That's of that's not a... fair. They, they, no doubt about it. Um, it was it was just a bad defense. I mean, you know, the people out there who like offense would say, well, no, it was just great offense. But at some point, you know, you have you have to stop the opponent on occasion. I mean, you're talking about the Eagles had over 500 yards of offense, and I think the Patriots might have. Cl- Cross six hundred. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. You know, let me let me check my stats on this because you know I want to be an informed um, radio talk show host. But um, Brady's numbers, I don't believe, eclipse the single best for uh, a passer in a game. But it came pretty close. Tom Brady, twenty-eight of forty-eight for five hundred and five yards, three touchdowns. Um, I believe the single-game passing record, 554 yards, if I'm not mistaken, by one Norm Van Brocklin. How about that name? Oh, yeah, there, there's a blast from the past, huh? Seriously, way back into the past. Um, but, yeah, 505 yards in a Super Bowl game um, in a losing effort, which typically is what happens um, when you pile up that amount of passing yards. Well, but wait, let's be fair. Out. These were not garbage yards. The Patriots had the lead with six minutes left in the game. I mean, he was legitimately rolling up yards last night. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, and that was the route that they choose to go, which was throwing the ball around. You know, I was listening to Colin Cowherd. He has a Saturday podcast that he usually does, and he does it with R.J. Bell, who uh, is um, a, a big wig in, in terms of uh, the betting world sports betting, and um, he and RJ are talking about things, and they were talking about props. And one of the props that uh, both of them were absolutely sure about, Emil, was under 294 passing yards for Tom Brady. Um, needless to say, that was a major loser. The, the uh, logic behind it was that they felt the Patriots would get a lead here and when in so doing would run the ball a heck of a lot more. Did not happen in this game. No, you know, it was a game actually where I dare say that in many ways, you know, you. It's, I'm taking the easy route here, but but hear me out. I I think you have to say that Peterson outcoached Belichick here, not just because he won, but I mean there were certain things in this game that were unpatriot-like. Usually, 
the other team screws up, not the Patriots. And in this game, I mean, there was a couple things, you know, as we go through the game a little, that struck me. And I'm not even talking uh, strategy as far as offensive and defensive and getting into that yet. I'm saying, like, early in that game, if you recall, when the Patriots missed that short field goal, they had the ball in the Eagles' nine-yard line. That was about a fourth and maybe three-quarters of a yard. Yeah. I was sitting there with a bunch of people, and I said, oh, they're going for this. they they got to go for this. Come on, man, they're going. And I see the kicker right. coming out, and I'm thinking – uh, that's odd. I mean, it's early in the game. You're on their nine-yard line, and you're you're basically saying we're we're going to pass up a fourth and maybe a yard. And then the next possession, they go right down the field. They end up with a fourth and five on the 35. You're indoors. My God, kick the 52-yard field goal. They go for it. I, I was just there were just things that were just unpatriot-like to me. Um, and you know, I made this comment last night on Twitter. The 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 Eagles outpatriot the Patriots. Um, they went for it on fourth downs um, and and did the unexpected in that game. And it was interesting for me to see that. And just to give you an idea of what you were talking about, I was just watching this right now. The last touchdown pass, a slant to Zach Ertz. As I look at it, and um, I've watched a lot of and studied a lot of what the Patriots do on defense, and their tendency to – I mean, their hard tendency – Amel, in that situation, whether it's third down or key plays or in the red zone, is to double whoever they think is a problem in the game. And Zach Ertz had clearly established himself as a problem. If you didn't think that going into the game, you certainly found that out because he made several key catches in the game. Um, And once they moved uh, Stephon Gilmore on Alshon Jeffrey, that problem was, um, if not totally extinguished, at least reduced greatly. So Zach Ertz was the problem. And not only did they not double the guy, they didn't put one of their top defenders on it. So by way of the way Peterson made calls in the game, he disturbed what was the norm. He took the Patriots out of their comfort zone and made them make calls they were not comfortable with. And that had to be one of them. There's just no way that that should have been in that situation. No, I I agree with you. And I think what, what also overall in that game what got exposed, and that's a great point you make there as far as the specific instance, um, the Patriots' lack of team speed on defense, and you've been harping on this now for a couple seasons, was really evident yesterday, to me at least. Um, especially the linebackers, just you know, they just seemed to be a step behind, whether it was Ertz or a running back, or it just they've got to get faster on defense. Um, you know, I don't even know if that's something that they recognize as being a big problem. Uh, if, you know, you know what the Patriots' mo has been. We'll do it with guys that people don't think are sexy or that may not have value to other people. Um, perhaps they do see that as an issue here, but um, it's something I've been talking about for a while. Uh, I it reared its ugly ugly head, but we need to talk about something else here. Your best cornerback for your most consistent cornerback, let me say, did not play one snap at corner this entire game. Let's just start the the rumor mill, or let's just try and find some answers. What happened there, Emil, in, in your estimation? Uh, hey, listen, you, you have more insider information than me. I was asking you this morning when I called you earlier. I mean, I'm sitting there at first, you know, I'm reading some articles, trying to get a grip on it myself. I saw him standing there the whole game. I mean, from what I'm understanding, he was sick during the week, but he was ready to go. I mean, unless there's something that we don't know internally, 
why would you penalize a guy for being ill? I mean, if he's ready to go, he's ready to go. It's not like, you know, I mean, you're telling me he couldn't figure out what they were going to do because he didn't practice enough? Uh, I would hardly think that that was the case. Um, it seems like it was more of a, a you know, punitive thing. And you got to ask yourself, what in the world could this guy have done to get that as the penalty? You know, many would say, okay, that was probably like a curfew thing or um, something of that nature. I hardly think that's just one thing that happened there. Well, that would seem wild. No, and really, are we going to make our point in the Super Bowl? I mean, he's probably not going to be – he probably wasn't going to be there next year anyway. I mean, I don't know if this was a walk year for him. I think it was. So my guess was they were not opening the piggy bank for him after they signed Gilmore this past offseason. That's just not the way they do things there. So – why make – I mean, what point are you making, I guess? I don't know what the point was. They certainly could have used him. Um, going back to the example of what was happening in pass coverage again, you had issues with Alshon Jeffrey early on. Um, he was on Butler's replacement row. Um, didn't work out very well. So you at some point had Gilmore shadowing uh, Alshon Jeffrey. And so, again, greatly reduced his production. And now you needed someone to deal with Nelson Aguilar, who started to become a bit of a problem as well. That could have been Malcolm Butler. I don't know what they were going to do about Zach Ertz. Perhaps that was the guy you were just going to double for the rest of the game, and you let those two corners do what they can against those guys. Torrey Smith didn't look like he was ready to play in a Super Bowl, so you didn't have to worry all too much about him. But in a game where um, you had Nick Foles, who, by the way, I think we all – kind of owe an apology, but you had a game in which Nick Foles was just dealing aces, throwing for 373 yards. I, you needed everybody uh, that you could summon up in that secondary. Well, Punish yeah, but I think, you, I think you and I are avoiding the obvious here. I mean, the Patriots were not getting to Foles with a four-man rush, okay? And, right. you know, he, he, he stood there relatively, you know, clean pocket the whole game and you, you know astonishing to me is that you know here's Carson Wentz a guy that gets hurt after 13 games far more athletic than Nick Foles mm. took 30 sacks in 13 games so I have to say this offensive line really either stepped up their game or they did something schematically because if Foles was getting pressured at the rate Wentz was he's just taking a lot of sacks because he's not as athletic as Wentz and and he really played these last couple games in a nice clean pocket. And if you're New England, and you know, I know you're not a fan of the casino defense. I get that. You're a defensive coordinator. I understand. But at some point, don't you have to start bringing some blitzes and stuff? I mean, you well, can't you have cover two, them. You have two choices when you are you have some limitations on defense. You can you can bring blitzes to make up for um, a limited pass rush, or you could drop more guys in coverage when you have limitations in coverage. And, um, you know, I, I understand that you're saying that Wentz is more athletic than Nick Foles, but, man, Nick Foles should not be underestimated in terms of how athletic he is. He was nifty and crafty in that pocket. From everything I've heard, the guy was a standout basketball player, so he has athleticism. He was a crafty in avoiding those rushes, whether he backpedaled and hit a crossing route or escaped to his right or even to his left. There were a couple of times he escaped to his left, which is, you know, obviously to the opposite side of the throwing arm. And 
had all the confidence in the world. I think you'll remember this play, and, and Chris Collinsworth talked about it, where he was rolling left and had the confidence to zip a ball in between some guys to, 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 you know, to hit. I forget what the receiver was on the sideline. He didn't make the catch. It was probably Torrey Smith because he was the only one that wasn't really getting his act together. But he was nifty enough in moving away. So I think the situation for New England was to really start doubling guys um, and see if you could hold him in there longer and, and maybe make a bad decision. But pressuring him and trying to single up on those guys just wasn't going to work out. You couldn't single up Ertz. Um, the only single, the only matchup one-on-one that was working was Gilmore on Jeffrey. You, you couldn't cover Aguilar, so you, you, you were dead if you did that. You had to be real yeah, crafty with the blitzes. Yeah, I mean, you know, they 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 were just in a in a bad spot last night. I mean, their defense show. I mean, remember early in the year the defense looked exactly as it did last night. I mean, for the first eight oh, yeah. games of the year, their defense was horrible, and then all of a sudden they started playing better, and people started figuring, oh, okay, we're going to have this bend, but don't break New England defense. And when they were on Sunday Night Football, Collinsworth would spend three and a half hours talking about what a great scheme it is and, and all this. But I think last night it showed. You know, eventually you need some horses with that scheme, and 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 that's what I think. You know, because what you're saying to me essentially is, uh, there's no way for them to really scheme around that last night because they were screwed on the back end and they couldn't get a pass rush up front. Yeah, I'm not necessarily saying no way. I was just saying you're going to have to. I think if I were them, I would have uh, the, the side I would have leaned on to is dropping more guys in coverage and not leave those singled up matchups. Could they However, play with twelve? Uh, is that legal? I mean. Everybody I says mean, they get not, breaks from the refs. Yeah, what everything the Patriots have tried and done and gotten away with over this this you know dynasty, why not try twelve? See if you can get away with it. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> but you know, the, what, what you bring up some good points, which would lead us to the next thing we need to talk about. Um, I I definitely had the Eagles in this game. I said straight up as as well as the point spread. He did. Um, I believe he did. Yeah, you you had the Eagles as well. I don't know. If no, I enough. had the I had the Eagles on the point spread, but my pick I put it up on Facebook. I wrote up my reasons mm-hmm. why I had New England winning thirty one twenty eight. And really, I said frankly, I thought the Eagles had the better fifty three man roster, better offensive and defensive line. I just felt that they would have a huge advantage at coach and quarterback. And obviously, in this segment, we've talked about. Uh, Belichick got out coached, and Brady probably played better overall. But Foles played great, so there was no great advantage at quarterback. Yeah, here's where uh, I'm going to dig into real quick what went into my decision to take the Eagles plus the points and um, straight up. When I went and looked through New England's season, um, sure, they gave up 42 points in the first game of the season. They followed that up with a pair of games in which they gave up 33 points. One they won, um, and then another game that they lost. So you have three games there where there were over 30 points scored. And, yes, they did get their act together as the season wore on. History has told me this about big games and the Super Bowl notwithstanding. When you put something like that out there and, you've, and now you have two weeks to prepare for a big game, the opposing coaching staff can see in one game, Let's just say it was just a Kansas City game. They see one thing there that they could probably hang their hat on and expose. But there were three games in which they had intel, let's say. This is how you can defeat this. And it was just too much out there that I think a good staff and a good coach like Doug Peterson could take advantage of um, when it came down to this big game. The other thing, too, Emil, for me was this. The Philadelphia Eagles were the best team 
in pro football this season. Um, for the majority of the season, they were that. That only changed when Wentz went down and Foles had to finish out the regular season. Um, we can talk about how Foles finished it out. You're, t- you're talking about a guy who didn't get any kind of number one rep, so no kind of continuity with wide receivers for um, the majority of the season because you just don't get reps like that when you're a backup in the NFL. Who's now thrown into action, hard to look good right away. Um, and he made up for that, I felt like, in the two playoff games. Two big playoff games. You could say what you want. Atlanta was not who they you know, were, and the Rams were new. Well, whatever. The home game. Whatever, but the they logic. were big games, and he played really well. And he showed up, and it seemed like, okay, one of two things either happened or both things happened. He got more comfortable with his guys, and Peterson got more comfortable with Foles in terms of these are the plays I need to call when he's in there. Whatever the case may be, he showed up in two big games and looked good. So you had an Eagles team that I thought was the best um, against a Patriots team that had put something out there on film um, that could be taken advantage of. And I think that's a lot of what we saw last night. And um, that's uh, it, that's really how this game played out. Here's the last part to this, Abel. Um, we know about all of the talk of turmoil or this possibly being the the beginning of the end or the end for Brady and Belichick. And we can point to all the things, the two backup quarterbacks being traded away, the the lack of resistance in the two coordinators being offered out as possibilities for head coaching jobs, which they are ultimately going to get. And when you look at, look at Matt, you look at the defense for new England last night, I know it's the Super Bowl, but how focused – do you think there was 100% focus there by Matt Patricia, or there wasn't just a small portion thinking about, I'm going to be the head coach at Detroit. There was a senior bowl there. There's free agency coming up. There's a he lot of things human. I got to answer your question, he wouldn't be human. If, if, even if in his subconscious there's not you know, just a part of him that's you know, focused on the next chapter, he wouldn't be a human. So I, I think the answer is clearly yes. Yeah, and then on top of all that, you're, you're, you, all these advantages I just named for you for, for the Eagles, and then they're greater than a field goal underdog in a, in, in a game where history has told you, even when the Patriots win, as dominant as they've been, they've been it's always come down to um, a kicker's boot. Well, let's be honest. The Patriots have been long-term dominant. In other words, the consistency is what's made them dominant. When we look over uh, the last 17 years, they've been consistently dominant. But from year to year, many times what I'm trying to say is, you're, I'm agreeing with you, they aren't dominant. I was, I was looking at the composite score. Um, they had a standings of Super Bowls, right? So I started looking at the teams that played in more than five games. Because if you played in two, it's a small sample size. And the biggest point differentials were the 49ers and the Cowboys. And I went back and looked at their scores. When they beat people, they killed them. Matter of fact, right. I was looking. I don't think either team won a Super Bowl by less. Matter of fact, Dallas's closest margin of victory was 10. And I think mm-hmm. that the San Francisco was, was what they had the one against Cincinnati. But then they had games where they beat people by 40 points. And I'm looking and saying to myself, the Patriots are not that, to your point. They won five Super Bowls, four of them by a field goal, one last year by six in overtime. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. they were they were they were the best team that year, but they weren't dominant. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, um, all close to the best wins. Um, San Francisco 
Um, and we're going to have to talk about this. This is going to be an interesting discussion to close things out here. But um, San Francisco had the two close Super Bowls against Cincinnati, um, 81 and then 89. Yeah, then they killed was. people. They beat Denver and, by 100 points, San Diego. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're still scoring touchdowns from that Denver Super Bowl. So I mean, yeah. they murdered, and then San Diego was never in that game. Um, so, you know, you got to look at that. I, where this is tough for me. And, you know, I was going to have this discussion. I'm just going to tease this because this is going to be part of another show. But but is Tom Brady the best quarterback ever? I may have a case for someone else. Um, and it might get a little interesting. I may, I may hard, bend the it's air. It's hard. Let me Brady. say this, though. It's hard when you start doing this because here's the thing. Yes, he won five Super Bowls, and he got there eight times. But, again, it's hard when you look and you say, you know, we could make a case that in a lot of those years – you know, frankly, I thought the AFC was watered down. So, I mean, I, I think he had a better chance of getting there. I, I didn't think this, a lot of the fields were stacked. You know, I mean, a couple of years it was him and the Colts. A couple other years it was them and the the Steelers. But I didn't feel like mm-hmm. they had, a, you know, some stacked fields where you had four or five teams that legitimately were Super Bowl contenders. And maybe I'm just yeah, misremembering. Yeah, I, I don't want to launch into a, a... – no, Brady I'm, at, I'm, I'm kind of agreeing with this. you. I could see your point where you're going to go with this. Yeah, but how about this? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to let go of the 49ers as the, the best dynasty ever. How much do you hold getting to that game, and when you get there, you win it? I mean, yeah, the Patriots have been there more than anyone else, but they've suffered three losses now. Um, that's – I don't think – Outside of the Bills, has, who's suffered more losses in Super Bowls? Well, I mean, are we no, just going to hand? Are we just going to gift um, the best dynasty ever to the Patriots simply because of longevity? Um, or because they were say, conference champions, is what you're saying. And I get that. Listen, I think I think it's a legitimate argument. You know, and I think you're also excluding. You know, you're, you're going to the 49ers because they had a condensed period from '81. Uh, through 94, but I mean, I think the, you know, you could also put the early Cowboys dynasty in the 90s in that conversation. I mean, they got there three times, they won. None of the games, they they won by 10, 17, and 35 points in three Super Bowls. Yeah, no doubt, and you could say the same for the Steelers, so do we just hand this thing over to the Patriots? I guess when this is all said and done, uh, when Belichick is gone, and I have a strong feeling that this is it, and then you know what I would you know what's giving me that feeling? Because I'm hearing late last night that um, Josh McDaniel may not go to the Colts after all. And well, that, well, right. and to- that may mean he's staying there, right? I mean, I, I could see Belichick, listen, he's 66 years old. He, he knows, you know, he's on the back end of Brady, whether it's one year or two years. He's not, I, I just don't see the guy starting from scratch with a new quarterback. He traded away the guy that should have been the replacement for Brady. That guy, unless something was a fluke this year, he has star written on him in San Francisco, okay? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if Belichick's staying around for any, you know, retooling. Yeah, um, I I don't know about that either, and he's part of the reason why you would be retooling. But nevertheless, very interesting Super Bowl last night. Um, I was saying this for a long time that to beat the Patriots, you were going to have to score 30 points. And so sitting here watching the game when the, when the Eagles got to, you know, when they crossed 30 points, I was like, uh, they've just won this game. I think they've done what they needed to do to win the game. And then quickly thereafter, they were behind. 
<laughs> you know, they fell well, behind. But you, you know what, too? You were talking about the Patriots dynasty, and, you know, maybe it's just me and I'm old school. Of course a win is a win, and I would love to take a Super Bowl win if they had half points. Okay, if my team won 23.5 to 23, I'd gladly take it. But for the purposes of this conversation, when I start looking into the context of, you know, when you start ranking dynasties, because now you're going to start separating stuff, to me, the manner in which you win the games, you know, in a large sample, does kind of matter as to how dominant you were. I mean, the the Patriots lost three close Super Bowls and won five close Super Bowls. The point is, all the games were close. Yeah, you didn't mash anybody. And um, some may argue that that's by design. That's just the way that they play. Um, it's the way they go about things. They'll keep things close to the vest and win it at the end. Um, let's not risk getting way out there and falling uh, falling asleep at the wheel and then having someone come back on us and win. Because, you know, when you lose your mojo in a game, it's really hard to get it back. Ask the Atlanta Falcons. So who knows right. if that's by design. But at least one of these Super Bowls could have been a complete blowout. Well, and then you go to the 49ers. They had three complete blowouts and two close ones. And then I look, the Cowboys have five. You know, they, they've got 10, 17, 17 here, 21, and 35-point margins of victory. The other three, they yeah. lost by a field goal, four points and four points. So they, they never got blown out, and they blew out everybody when they won. The Steelers had a lot of close ones, but that was a different era. Again, I think the NFL, and I'm not just saying it because when we were kids, I think you had a very stacked field if you go back and look at history, what it tells you. The Steelers had to beat some really good Raider and Dolphin teams to get their teams that won Super Bowls themselves. Right, and then they they usually had to beat a Cowboys team that was loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so no, I'm saying, I think I think it's a different field. And if you look at the NFL Hall of Fame, you'll see tons of guys from the era I'm talking about in there right now, off all those teams. And I'm not sure the Patriots really had that tough of a road most of the time. It was usually either go through Indianapolis or go through Pittsburgh. Baltimore, too, and when they had to go through Baltimore, they failed to get there, too. So that's something else that you got to think about. So, sure. Um, Baltimore played very well against them. That's a good point. They did. They definitely did do that. So this is um, – it's going to be an interesting offseason. It's funny how this one loss can change the perspective on a lot of things where we would say if the Patriots won last night, absolute shoo-in. No one can even make this argument, not even the worst or the drunkest person on Twitter – can go against the New England Patriots dynasty, but they lost this game to uh, newbies at at quarterback and at um, coach, and so the whole dynasty thing is now in flux. They're and back they got handled. The That's the other thing. They were handled at least, well, not not offensively, but their defense was handled. I mean, when a team puts 41 points on you and runs up over 500 yards of legitimate non-garbage offense, um, yeah. It exposes. Let me ask you a quick question before we get off, because this is a big. I think this is a, something that needs to be addressed. We're going to let the Eagle fans have their, you know, fun day today. But then we'll get back to the business of the NFL. What do you do with Nick Foles? I mean, they have a couple options. He's under contract, right? You keep him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or do you sell high? I mean, you you got a bunch of teams drafting early this year: the Browns, the Giants. Maybe, maybe you know, you can fleece them for, for a couple picks, a first-rounder and, and a third-rounder for a guy like Foles because they don't want to try to find out if Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, Rosen is the answer. Would you do that? Because here's the – let me add the one more before you answer the question. Carson Wentz probably won't be ready 
for the opener. He tore his ACL and MCL. They're, they're saying, you know, it's looking more like he's going to be an October type of return. And I guess the risk for me, if you keep Foles and he performs well again in September and you're 4-0, and it's kind of hard to go back to wins. I mean, you know, that sounds funny to people, but you just want a Super Bowl with the guy. If he goes out of the gate 4-0, and what are you going to do? Amol, um, fortunately for us, or unfortunately for us, we're not getting paid to make that decision. Um, the new defending champ Super Bowl head coach is in that position. I think this is about as worse. <laughs> this is about as bad a good position I think I've ever seen um, a head coach in at any level. Um, I mean, think about what you just brought up. The guy that you have your future invested in is not going to be ready next year. Your fans are not going to be at all happy with you coming off of a Super Bowl um, and going two and two with some guy that you don't know who that would be, whether that's a a rookie quarterback, which will not happen, or um, some career journeyman backup. Um, And then if you do bring – folds back and he's got you at four and zero. which if he plays anything like he has in these last three games that's probably a good chance of that happening how do you turn around now and put this guy on the bench and bring Wentz in there who's gonna be rusted and who knows what the situation well and you know Chad here's the thing I live you know now I live an hour and 45 minutes from Philadelphia I've spent a lot of time in my life and still do in that city off and on Mm. Nick Foles will never buy dinner again in the city of Philadelphia. He's right next oh, to Rocky absolutely. right now. Oh, I mean, absolutely. He's right next to Rocky. Okay, he'll never yeah. he'll never buy dinner again. He's like Chase Utley, Rocky, Doctor J. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no so, question. He ain't paying for dinner again. Now, to your point, and and I hate to do this because the guy was having a phenomenal year, but the results that Foles got after he did get the reps you talked about the last couple weeks of the season against the Raiders and Cowboys. And the results he got in big games in the playoffs, you know, at least begs the question of, was it Wentz playing it? that well, or was it just he had a yeah. really good team this year? Okay. Yeah, was and, it Peterson or was it Wentz? Yeah, right, because Wentz, you know, Wentz did take the 30 sacks I talked about, which is a lot of sacks to take when you consider so, how I mean, well that know, offensive you, line. What are you suggesting here? Is, is there any scenario where Wentz could be dealt? Well, I don't think there is because of – the business side of it, you know, he sells a lot of jerseys and the fans love him and he's a good guy, but you, you know, it's a bad, good position. I think you, you hit, you, that's a good phrase, Chad. It's a bad the worst good position, good position be- I've ever seen. Right. Because here's the thing. And you know, this, this is a fact. Okay. Especially in professional sports. If you have two good quarterbacks in the NFL, the only way that's a good situation is when one of them's hurt. Okay. If they're both healthy, yeah. You can ask the Dallas Cowboys how that worked out when Tony Romo was healthy. It didn't feel good, okay? No, no, not at all. And you got one guy standing there that thinks and knows, I can play in this league and I'm a starter. And right. this whole thing, this isn't college. Let's, let's do it for the team like Jalen Hurts did in the, in the championship game in Alabama. This is professional sure. football. You have mm-hmm. a limited lifespan to make this money. And that guy's not going to stand there. He could be the best team guy in the world happy about standing there with a clipboard when he knows he should be playing somewhere else. So you're in a tough spot here because of Wentz's injury and the fact that if he's not ready for the opener, you're hesitant to deal fulls, and it's actually the best time to deal him because you're going to get the most value you'll ever get in your life for this guy most likely. And 
if you don't deal him and he comes out hot as a pistol and the team's rolling, even if they're 3-1, and one, forget 4-0, and all, they lose a game, they're 3-1, and one, they're putting up 30 points a game, what are you going to do, turn, turn over a Super Bowl championship team that played with this guy, a quarterback, that's in first place in their division on September 30th and give it back to the other guy? Deal Foles, bring in Case Keenum, um, let him do whatever he's going to do, and then you gladly throw Wentz in there, even if he's 3-1. and one. Case Keenum um, is um, a career backup who is not I think you're right. I think you're right, Chad. I think you're right for several reasons. I think the fan base in Philly can be sold on, even if they traded the hero, that we fleeced a team for him. I mean, the Cleveland Browns gave us their first and third-round yeah. pick and the owner's second mm-hmm. child, <laughs> so yeah. we had to do it, you know. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so, but you're, you're, you're gambling heavily on, um, what Wentz is going to be able to do when he returns. Um, I just think you got to find the best guy possible, not name Nick Foles to, to man the station. Well, let me ask you this. Was there at any point this year that you can honestly say after watching the last two games, the Eagles played when this guy had a fair amount of practice now, let's be fair to him Mm -hmm. that you, the, the Eagles offense, didn't look any better with Wentz than it did with Foles. Um, yeah, same same deal. I mean, Foles got it done. Um, so I mean, when you've got those two variables, you got to say it was it's the head coach. So does it even matter who you put there? And so to that, um, you know, to to going off of that, you could put a Case Keenum in there. But however, Case Keenum's looking to get paid, so you aren't you can't just insert him in there for some uh, meaning meaningless amount. How about this? What if Peterson brings in, let's say he deals holes and brings in just a guy, someone we're not really thinking about. What if he brings in a journeyman that goes for him? Then what? Um, Is Peterson geez, like, an, um, the best that's coach? That's an interesting in- question. I, listen, I think we're a little ahead of ourselves because one thing we have to remember is um, in the genius of, of the GM of the Eagles, Howie Roseman, okay, which w- he constructed this roster beautifully with the trade for Jai, you know, and all that stuff. He also did something else that hurts you when you win. He put a lot of these guys on one-year deals, which is beautiful because they're playing for their lives and, and they win a Super Bowl. But this year, this, this team is not coming back as it looked this year. I mean, Patrick Robinson's on a one-year deal. He's going to want to get paid now. Yeah. Um, you know, you got LeGarrette Blount on a one-year deal. He's going to want to get paid somewhere. Sure. I mean, you've talked about this over the years. The first Super Bowl, and you know, I remember you saying this, and it's it's actually a good point. The bi- the business of the NFL, the first Super Bowl, while it's not easy to get, it's easier to get than a second or third because everybody wants their cut of the action once you yep. win. I mean, it's yep. all for the team when you're losing and guys are giving their checks to the homeless and, and this and that. Now you win and you're on, you know, Jimmy Fallon at night and you're doing interviews all offseason. You're not focused, and now everybody wants to get paid. And I can't blame them. Patrick Robinson wants to get paid. Nelson Aguilar is going to want to get paid someday. Uh, you know, just yeah, and it, you know, it's it's uh, obviously it's about money, but the other part of it too is you demonstrating how much they meant to the accomplishments. So if you're not willing to pay me, that tells me you didn't you didn't think I was a big contributor to our Super Bowl run and our success and our, you know, what, what we've right. had going on. It's a, it's right. a respect thing now. Not, not only is it just about right. money, it's about, it's about respect. 
You think and this then, guy and then you get remember this isn't college football. You you know you're not you're not rooting for old Miami or old USC. This is pro. So now you go to a different team like Blunt did, and you run yeah. over your old team to show you how much show them how much of a contributor you were. Yeah, you send a highly motivated guy out. That's why it's harder in the NFL to do than college football because by the time a guy gets a big head, he's out the door and there's a new crop coming in. But in the NFL, I mean, guys play for ten years. Um, 12 years so if they're trying to stay on your roster you're going to have to pay these guys and not too many people are willing to so yeah out. we're talking about we're talking about a roster here that's going to come back considerably different i'm not saying they won't be good i'm saying you know there's no guarantee they just pick up where they left off i mean they've got issues jason peters 35 years old he great left tackle always hurt mm-hmm. now getting older the kid that yeah. stepped in really upped his game so you keep him peters on the roster another year I mean, you're going to pay a 35-year-old guy to get hurt when you won the Super Bowl with his replacement who played well. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Perhaps Peterson will learn to do what Belichick um, has done in the past. You're um, a jersey number. We'll replace you. We'll bring another guy in. Poor DeMarco Murray. He leaves the Eagles, and they win the Super Bowl. Good he was never a fit, let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe he could have done what uh, – LeGarrette Blount did this year, maybe with a little more explosion, less less battle ram. I don't know. Who well, knows? I have a yeah. feeling next year. I have a feeling next year. I think CBS has the game, so Tony Romo will finally get to a Super Bowl. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we got to cut it short there. This was supposed to be a short twenty minute segment, but you and I both knew that wasn't going to happen. So no. we'll have to call it that. We'll have to call it that. Call it a day. This is our gridiron stud and short. We. uh we didn't get to the bottom of the Super Bowl, but we kind of got some answers here. Others remained unanswered. But anyway, thank you all for listening. For uh, Amo Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Enjoy the rest of your day. Good night, sir.